Hello, everybody. Live from a toasty day in Koreatown. It is the Brothers Millers, and this is The Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Terry Miller. How you feeling? Uh, extra crispy. Ooh. And we're here with our sound engineer extraordinaire, Ernesto. What up, Ernie? How you feeling, Ernie? Great. Oh, Ernie, that's going to go sound time. bad. Ernie needs a mic. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back on schedule. We're back on time, and we're back on track with you. Say yeah. Rah. So I'm feeling strong, and uh, I'm feeling like my stamina is up, and we got a lot to talk about. Let's get straight to it. Um, give you a little little quick uh, rundown. We got a couple callers to call in about the NFL preseason because it's almost go time, ladies and gentlemen. Jerry Jones has something to say about the Ezekiel Elliott holdout. We had a holdout down in Jacksonville that ended. We had some crazy stats come out about the last decade in the NBA, which surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, LeBron James is at the top of a lot of those lists. <laughs> uh, surprise. Some tennis results, a lot of baseball, but we're going to start off straight away. With the world of boxing. Some fantastic matches this weekend. And if you're the casual boxing fans, you may or may not have tuned in to the PBC on Fox. But they put on a good card this weekend. How do you feel about that card? card was awesome. I, you know what? It seems like we're getting better fights off of these... Non-name yeah, fights, right? Key fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. This one took place at a marquee location, though. It took place in uh, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and you know what? There was also a monster. Uh, uh, some fights that weren't televised because really? you know, in the heavyweight division, uh, uh, Hector Negron, I do believe, that got a uh, uh, Jose Negron. I think Hector Negron was Laz Laz's name in Miracle Saint Anne. <laughs> uh, Negron got, or maybe it's Carlos Negron. He got knocked out in the first round by a journeyman that's thirty nine or something that was on his way out of the game, so heavyweight I style. Think about that, big yeah. Voice. He had a big fellas. I couldn't even find it because it wasn't on, uh, you know, it wasn't on television. But I kept reading about it, so mm-hmm. it was playing somewhere. This is the tricky thing about having all these different channels and packages and you know apps and blah blah blah. It's hard to pinpoint where everything's, everything's a la carte. Yeah. So it kinda, it's kind of difficult to see. But what we did see was uh, the Montreal Frenchman, Mr. Jean Pascal, had another championship chance against Marcus Brown, trained by our man Derek James. And Marcus Brown and him had a lot of bad blood before the fight. It seemed like that they were trying to sell the fight, and then Marcus Brown went a little too far because he's taller than Pascal, and he rubbed him on his head at the at the weigh-in. Like he's a little kid. And, and Pascal turned around and he said, hey, bro. Don't touch me like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, next yeah, I'm grown you know, man. And next thing you know, it got serious, and Marcus Brown said that he's washed up, and he's about to put him into retirement, blah, 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 blah. And then what happened? And then Marcus Brown came out and was actually looked good, looked good. Then he decided to keep his left down while throwing a right hook. And Pascal? Put him down, John. <laughs> put him down. Put him down. <laughs> yeah, Pascal put him on his back. And in a very convincing fashion. And Marcus Brown popped up real quick like it wasn't going to count if he got up quick enough. He tried to pop up real quick, though, but he stumbled, and he stumbled all over the ring. He looked good. Uh, but he ran well uh-huh. because there was a lot of time left in that round. I think it was the fourth round, maybe, third or fourth round when that happened. And there was a lot of time left in that round that uh, he couldn't get him out of there, which was, to me, was a little surprising. Then the next few rounds went kind of the same. Pascal couldn't get inside. That was his problem because Marcus Brown was tall. Right. Pascal couldn't seem like he could get inside like that. Now, it seemed like that should have been something that you covered during your training camp. Pascal's a former champ. Of course, he covers all of it, but he hasn't been the same guy for a few fights now. He took a little bit too much punishment from Sergey Kovalev, mm-hmm. and he never, never recovered. And Sergey Kovalev punished him, and he, he made it a point to punish him. It's almost him. like what Andre did to Kovalev. 
it's funny. It kind of is, except for Kovalev still was fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, John seems, this was literally seemed like John's last hurrah. Like, if he didn't win this fight, this seems like this was probably going to be it. And the next thing you know, it, uh, <laughs> next thing you know, he turned the beat around and he, he made the fight a grimy fight. He gave him some B hop. He was <laughs> rubbing his head on his, on his face. You know, he made it a uh, somewhat dirty fight. Then he dropped him again with the same right hook. Then he dropped him with a straight right. It was. The way that it ended was just not I didn't ah like that. that headbutt that yeah. dirty ending, but it ended with and new. It ended with Jean Pascal reclaiming his title. Did I think he picked up a two piece? I think he got two of them. Ooh. Yeah, Marcus Brown came back afterwards saying that he wants the rematch immediately. He said he has to have everybody it. always want to run it back. Yeah, <laughs> but you got to get your head clear before you run it back. Yeah, well, this one this this seemed like it wasn't uh, man. This is this is very interesting. Very, very interesting to see how that how that broke out because really it was a it was a veteran teaching a young guy a lesson. And Which it, is awesome. Which is awesome, but it sucks if you're Marcus Brown. But Marcus Brown looked good. He just had some uh, flaws that he just refused yeah, to correct. He got exploited. In fight flaws are so difficult to correct. You know, the adjustments of an in fight fighter that can adjust you really have to be ones the, that aren't are, it, that's what separates seems like elite from Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. You have to be an elite athlete to be able to make that kind of adjustment during a match or a game or something you yeah see, that's why they're like the upper echelon the one percent of, of athletes you know because right. they make the changes during the bouts matches or games right in the middle of it right and in the he middle couldn't of do it. it and you saw jean pascal actually saw oh he can't get this right like, oh work <laughs> that left he just won't keep that left up so i'm gonna keep throwing this right eventually he's gonna get him and he did exactly that set him up he set him up and then the second fight of the the, the card on that night was Really a real treat. It was a fight that was great for you. Great to watch <laughs> and had to be hell to be in on either side. That's what I'm saying. It was a great treat for you and other fight fans. I don't know about the fighters. Oh my God. So much punishment. Man, they set a record. They set a record for punishment. <laughs> I'll pass. So much punishment. The big boys too. Giants. The big boys. I'll tell you this. This was Chris Ariola uh versus Adam Kugnowski. And I love watching Adam Kugnowski fight. The this, Polish pounder. The Polish pounder, ladies and gentlemen, way better than a baby face moniker because he doesn't have a baby face. Um, Especially after the night. Oh, man. Chris Ariola. One thing I really appreciated was that Chris Ariola is now gotten in shape. It unfortunately is late in his career, but for the last two fights, he dropped an extra maybe 30 pounds, I would say, mm-hmm. from where he was. And he looks good in the ring. It was late in his career. I don't know, you know, if it could have, it could definitely could have helped him when he was in his championship fight against the Klitschko's and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and we'll talk and about Wilder. it as, as why, because you saw it happening early. This was like a classic Ganowski fight where he's, he's like Michael Myers in the Halloween movies. He's constantly moving forward. He's always there. He's willing to get hit. Multiple times. Multiple times. And he wants to see if you can take his fast hands. And you know what the thing of it is is that he doesn't really move that much when you hit him. I've seen him get hit hard a few times by a lot of different fighters. And yeah. It, Areola hit him hard. Yeah, and he's just like a brick wall. I saw him get wobbled a little bit in the Areola, yeah. Areola fight later on in the match. But overall, he takes punishment well. He does, and Chris Ariola in classic Mexican warrior fashion takes punishment well. And I don't know why guys want to get hit this much. Chris worked on his defense a little bit better. You could see he, that he did. Oh, no question. He used to get hit even more than that. Ooh, child. But yeah, yeah, he did whatever Joe Goosen did with him. I didn't appreciate Joe Goosen's corner work uh, as far as his motivational work. Right. But 
whatever he did with him going in, Chris looked better than he normally looked defensively. It's just that Kanowski was it, he's like relentless when it comes to moving forward. <laughs> and Deontay Wilder called the fight, and he admitted very early, "This is like a rock'em sock'em robot, and I don't want none of this," <laughs> which was great. He's, he's keeping it one hundred, but the thing of it is that I think that Kanowski kid will give him a problem. Because he, I don't know because because he technically I think he's he's technically more sound than Deontay, mm-hmm. but we've yet to see the individual that can just shake off Deontay's one two. Yes, and Kanowski seems okay to get hit by whoever it is that's. That he but he's crazy. got a nice decent one two with himself, without question, which will keep you honest. But at the same time, with the height difference, you're gonna have to take. How tall is he? Six four. They, I think it said he was six three. I think they were both six three. I. And so Deontay should have both of them are in positions that they should think about retiring. That was a lot of punishment. Oh that's my goodness! Way that's too a, many punch, a, punches a, to get a hit by CTE with a heavyweight. Waiting to happen there. If you're lucky, Man. I mean, this is. And I appreciated Chris Ariola's afterwards what Chris Ariola had to say because he kept his real. He was like, they were like, oh, you can't retire after yeah, no after this this kind of things. Man, you crazy? He's okay, let's hear what Chris had to say after the fight. Ariola, Chris, as Adam just said, you. You really can't retire after a performance like that, can you? I'm sorry? You really can't retire after a performance like that, can you? Um, you know what? This is really something that I really have to talk to my family, Al, and uh, Joe about because I honestly feel like it's about time. And um, I gave him all this fight. I, I really let it all hang out. Even after breaking my hand, I kept fighting. I kept fighting because um, I believe I can win. So um, after this, I need some time off and figure things out because I really, uh, I don't know if I can go through this again. You know, Deontay was calling you uh, the gatekeeper in this yeah. division. Yeah. Do you? What did you see from Adam Kovnatsky? You Having been through the best, you fought for the title three times. How would you assess him as a heavyweight? Relentless. Someone that just keeps coming. You know, um, I know I cracked him with some good punches. He got me with some good punches, but he's just a relentless fighter that just kept kept coming. And, you know, I was I was ready. I was more than ready to go out 12, as you guys can see. You know... Some little setbacks, but regardless, um, congratulations to Kaunaki because he came in here and he won the fight. You said you- man, the Polish pounder, the dude is rel- he is relentless, man. And there's only so much of that you can take though, because I'm watching the fight. I'm watching some more of the the right now the highlights. Yeah, wow, because they're showing the highlights during mm-hmm. that speech. And Chris Ariola hit him hard, man. He sure did. He hit him hard, and unfortunately, you heard some slurring in Chris Ariola right there, which hopefully will clear up. You know, because mm-hmm. that was just after the punishment. I mean, serious. This is some serious head trauma. Shout out to all the warriors out there. The boxers are warriors. He fought with a broken hand. He stood in there toe to toe for twelve rounds, and it was like an action packed fight. It wasn't even from the opening bell. No lulls. Never. No lulls. Ever see big guys throw this many punches? Yeah. How many? Do you know how many it was? Total? The total. It broke the CompuBox record, and I am not a fan of CompuBox by and large because no. I, I don't think that they have an accurate, you know, an accurate counter, but. This time, I believe them because they threw a combined 2,172 punches. That is so many punches for heavyweights. Are you crazy? That's like those little guys. That's like the flyweight, the superfly numbers. That's like a, a Chocolatito kind of number. Yeah, you know the Polish pounder actually has the most output as far as heavyweights. 66 yes. punches per round. Yes. That's a problem. That's a problem for everybody. <laughs> That's a problem for everybody. <laughs> you remember when I was talking about it before, he's the type of guy that sneaks up on a lot of people because – 
he doesn't look like he's in shape, but he's in shape for himself. So when he gets in the ring, he's a problem because you don't never know what he he's throwing punches from all kinds of angles. He's got a, a decent thump with him. He's fundamentally sound. He's just and not he fast. Seems like he's not fast, and he also seems like quick. He's not fast. Yeah, and he also seems like he has a good center of gravity. Yes, I think when he gets to the the higher level, honestly. A guy like him, I think that the the guy that would give him the most problems out of the bunch right now is Tyson Fury. Because Tyson Fury actually is really quick for the big guy and fast, and he has the stamina to dance for 12. But I think He's, that Tyson Fury has no interest in going toe-to-toe. Right, but he would have to go toe-to-toe because this guy's good at cutting off the ring and he's moving forward. He is good at cutting off the yeah. ring. And and he's gonna, you're going to eventually have to mix it up with him. Now, with the output that he's putting out, that if he gets you against the ropes, when he gets you against the ropes or whatever, you're going to have a problem because he, he's got enough thump to put a guy like Tyson Fury down. And, I mean, everybody, and, and he destroyed the body. He destroyed Ariola's body, man. And now and the I only Ariola to retire because he's yeah, done enough. He, he's done enough, and he had a great and, career. And now everybody's being selfish because this guy's given his pretty much his life to boxing. He sure has. And now you're talking about a guy that might, if he keeps fighting, he's going to end up being, you know, yeah, vegetable. Mush. Yeah. And he also one thing that I really appreciate about him is how he's transformed as a man. Yeah. Because one thing that he's done is is he's gotten better and better. Like if you listen to him in the post fights, he used to be in there cussing up a storm. Yeah. He was a terrible role model yes he was he he seemed like a bad person and something has happened in his life i don't know if it's his family you know having more children Mm -hmm. or what it is but something uh, his wife but something clicked and he seemed like a really solid dude and i actually i I like the way he represents los angeles yeah honest and you saw how he carried himself after that fight and it was just yeah no he's like i need to go speak to my family i think i've done enough you know done enough i've I've been in a lot of battles what do you want what what do the people want for a lot of punishment a lot of punishment deontay wilder hit him hard a lot and Klitsch, eight rounds. And forget about with Klitschko. Klitschko just got he, him out. Of and he he messed around with the wrong Klitschko. Yes, he messed around. With he should have he should have played with Vladimir because he <laughs> played Vitaly. with Vitali and Vitali got him out of there. Like do the electric man, boogaloo. That was a bad look. <laughs> he it was a terrible look. Yeah, he let him know he wasn't on the level. Um, but I tell you this, I'm very interested to see where where Kognowski goes from here. He's gonna need to work on his conditioning potentially because what we did see is. I would say I had Areola winning from ten to twelve. I had him winning the end of the whole end of the championship rounds. I I, I, and I think those are the only rounds he won. That's yeah, the only round I, I had him. That I, yeah, maybe one of those rounds, maybe a draw or something maybe. like that. Maybe because he just had so, the output is ridiculous. Yeah, that's good output for a small guy, let alone a big. Good out, good, good output for a small guy. But he seems like he lowered later. I, you know what? I, I would like to look up the stats to see later because he, he was throwing less. He was absorbing more. One thing that he did that I liked a lot late is he got on his toes. Yeah, he did. And he started to bounce a little uh-huh. bit. He had, it seems like he had an understanding that he he was in trouble a little bit. Right. And I've I've watched most of his fights, and I hadn't ever seen him in trouble like that. But Ariola, yeah. I think that it takes that Ariola type of fighter to put that on him like that. Ariola doesn't have crazy thump, but he has enough to hurt you and get you out of there. For and sure, and, and he hurt him. And and the thing was, like a true professional, he wore it well. Mm-hmm. Adam wore it really well. Let's hear what Adam had to say after the fight. Never gone past round ten. What did you feel like in the eleventh and twelfth rounds? Uh, proved I could do it, you know. Uh, got the Kaibax uh, record number, but uh, it was a new experience. It was a lot new pressure on me, headline Barclays. So it's a definitely a learning experience, and it just gets better. I mean, uh, just, you know. Yeah. At some point in the fight, did you feel that Ariola was getting tired? Uh, yeah, yeah, but he kept coming. Uh, I kept hitting him. <laughs> he just kept staying there. <laughs> uh, but I know he's a tough Mexican fighter, and uh, it's gonna be tough to get him out. 
I'll tell you, Adam, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll butcher in your last name, man. I call you from <laughs> Balzaki to Kanaki to, Ka- you know. Um, but, but anyway, great performance tonight. Thank and my, my question is, uh, how do you put put out so many punches like that? You know what I mean? Uh, is it something that you train on or is it something that you just – you just do automatically just throw so many punches because y'all set history tonight with the ver- ver- velocity of punches. You yeah, know, you throw out tonight. Yeah. yeah, I always felt that as an amateur, just throw a lot of punches, a lot of punches. So uh, I hope they land. But uh, today I, w- I wasn't able. I got off two, and uh, the three, four was a little bit slower. Mm. So uh, definitely I work up more on that. Uh, it was a new experience. You know, my legs were a little bit, my legs a little bit. But uh, I think I pulled it off. They say you're as good as your last performance. Um, it was my best one, but it's something to build off of. Okay, I got another question. What do you think you need to work on? Everything, man. Uh, the head movement. I, work, I was working on it, but I think once the bell rang, I was like, you know, forget it. I just <laughs> let's fight. <laughs> and you're in the history books now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be the first uh, Polish champion in the world. So you know, yeah, I'm coming for you, hey, man. But I always say, speak and believe, receive it, baby. I, I, was, I was about to ask you, Adam. Deontay's only a couple of inches away. I'm assuming you would like to be in the ring with him one day in the very yeah, near future. Sure. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, first, he has some business to take care of. I got some business to take care of in meanwhile, too. So uh, hopefully, towards the end of next year, we could uh, see each other, you know? So he, he, I, he was I, doing some pre-scouting tonight. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. So how do you beat a guy like me? Uh, I think the pressure, man. <laughs> so you pull move action, huh? Yeah, it's going to be yes. a lot of punches, man. But yeah, you got that power when you hit somebody. Huh? <laughs> it's night night. So I got to make sure I uh, get your range good, you know? Yeah, but when you're a fighter that's throwing out so many velocities, Ferocities of punches consistently, yeah. continuously right. from round and round and round. You know that's that's, that's going to be hard to be able to keep at bay. You know, but you definitely a scouting you know report that I can bring back. And when right. it's time for it, I, I love to be able to, to be fun, man. Man, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love Deontay Wilder. I really hope he turns away from this role as the heel that he wants to play because I really right. like the champ. Right. I like him a lot. But the velocity of punches. Uh, <laughs> what, he can like the speed of <laughs> That's not what he meant. <laughs> well, that, you know. that was his Toledo moment. <laughs> oh, man. He liked the velocity. He, he came in at 85. <laughs> he had a radar gun on it. <laughs> he had a radar gun on the punches, unfortunately. I think with a guy like him fighting Deontay, Deontay would have to be on his horse because he's going to back him up. When you're backing up like that, you don't have the thump. That same thump. Yeah, that same thump. He's going to be coming forward. So somewhere in the, in that process, he's going to have to sit sit down on his punches. In between that. I think he tried to do it early. You need to because in between that time, that kid is coming forward and throwing punches and punches. And we've seen Deontay doesn't do well with people no. throwing at him. We're pushing he does, issue. He does better with, with him being the aggressor. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. now you're talking about him being – with velocity. <laughs> it's going to be a velocity of punches. I think the way you get Kognoski out of there is to kill the body. body. I, th- kill, I, th- kill I think, I think that's, that's out of shape. That's where you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, guys that are in shape, that's how you get them out of there. Yeah. Let alone guys that are Forget not them. in shape. Yes. Yes. Because uh, Andrew Ruiz, any of these guys, because that's why you work on your, your core like that, because it's going to sustain you in the latter part of the fight. You lose your power if somebody destroys your body. You watch the hands go up from the, the head to the chin to the shoulders to the pretty soon it's, you're just curled over and it's in a fetal bad. position. And next thing you know, it's all bad. But a, but really, a great fight to watch. If you didn't get to see it, I figured it you, wherever it you can go find it on PBC, on Fox, I imagine yeah. uh, on the website, you could probably go watch it. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, a really great fight. Shout out to PBC. Shout out to Fox because that was a that was a solid card. Really happy they about it. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Give me a solid. solid. <laughs> and then 
We got that more in the boxing world. Uh, now, they've done everything they can. Now that they've stolen Triple G's belts, they've successfully done everything they can to make sure that he can't get his belts back. But a tricky thing has happened in the midst of that, mm, which sir. is Triple G actually got stripped of one of his belts because he didn't take a fight against Dara Vajinko during the period when he was supposed to have been fighting Canelo, but Canelo tested dirty, which, by the way, nobody ever talks about anymore. It's funny how that just kind of got swept under, under the rug. Under the rug, dude. That Don't we look had under there. Two dirty tests that nobody ever, ever, ever brings up. Um but that's neither here nor there, apparently. But what happened is, is the same thing happened to Canelo. Canelo gets stripped of the IBF title. The Black Panda. The <laughs> power. He got stripped away. <laughs> Forrest showed up and stripped his title away. And uh, and he's pissed. And apparently there is some some trouble in paradise. Yeah, that's that coddling, trying to pick pick your poison and everything else. He's been in negotiations with everybody. I think he was even negotiating with you. He was. I, you know, I couldn't make weight. <laughs> I couldn't get down. And so, uh, so this is Oscar De La Hoya's statement. Oscar De La Hoya said, we are extremely disappointed at the IBF for forcing the world's best fighter to relinquish his world title. We have been in serious negotiations with Sergei Derevachenko's promoter. We offered his team an unprecedented amount of money for a fighter of his limited stature and limited popularity. But the truth is that I'm now certain that they never had any intention of making a deal. But instead, they wanted to force us to relinquish Canelo's belt. This is an insult to boxing, and more importantly, an insult to the boxing fans of the world. That was a strong statement from Oscar De La Hoya, but not strong enough for his star fighter Canelo Alvarez. Because Canelo came out with his own statement, where he apologized to the fans, and he's demanding answers from Golden Boy. What do you think is going on over there? miscommunication because I do believe that Canelo wants to fight everybody. He believes in himself. Yes, he does. Even when As he, he should. Yeah, as he should. But I don't really believe that, you know, they're not handpicking fights, but they're making sure that they put him in the right situations. And in this process, he ended up losing a, a belt because of that and ended up just like Triple G did, losing his title for something that he really – I heard people saying that he was running from Devrachenko. Which is amazing. Which was amazing. I was The dude literally – he was supposed to be fighting yes, and for you, all the belts. And then you stripped my title away because I can't fight because, because the guy my tested dirty. Tested dirty, which then stepped the, 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 the time of the fight. The velocity of the fight happened at a different time. <laughs> now the fight is coming in rapid. Now the fight is coming in slower. The fight, the fight didn't. The fight was supposed to come in about eighty eight. Mm, it the, came in at sixty eight. Okay. The fight took an extra uh, three months to materialize <laughs> with a veracity I of a velocity. <laughs> I see that. Uh, and you understand that I would be welcome once it's time to get in and share that <laughs> with that veracity. Be amazing with the velocity raptor of a velociraptor <laughs> in Jurassic Park. So this is what ended up happening to Triple G. Triple G ended up saying, "Well, I want to take." The money. I'm gonna wait for Canelo till his suspension ends, and and it, they strip him of his belt. And they stripped him of the belt. Now the beautiful thing about it is that he gets to fight for a title. And Canelo and them biggest thing was that they didn't want to fight him because he didn't have a title. That was exactly it. Well, now he's gonna have a title if he beats Devrachenko, which I do believe that he's going to do because I've watched some of his fights, and I don't really feel like he's only the only difference is Devrachenko has great footwork and he's younger. Yes. But he does not have the experience. Or the thump. Or the thump. Danny Jacobs put him down, I think, in what was in the first round? Yeah. 
but I I just don't think that he has the kind of the thump. I think you need to hit Triple G hard to make Triple G hesitant to continue to come in. Canelo hit him hard, and I don't think Canelo won either fight, but Canelo hit him hard. He sure did. And hard to the body. Uh-huh. And, and you know, that at least made Triple G respect Canelo mm-hmm. and respect his power. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're going to be in there with Gennady, you have to, he has to think that there's a chance that you can get him off his feet. Yes. And not That's I don't all think, fighters. And, yeah. And yeah. Canelo made him a believer in somewhat that you can actually hurt me. Yeah. Because in the, that last fight, you saw actually where Triple G looked like he might have been hurt at one point. Yeah. Yeah. But he also hurt Canelo. Oh, that's, a, that's even, you know, that's that's without question. Yeah. Now, what I want to know, though, going... What would you like to know? What I would like to know is, with Canelo signing this deal, what is he... He's done two of the 11 fights that he signed for? I think it's three. Right? Was it three? He did Rocky Fielding was the first one. Then he did Danny Jacobs, I think. I, don't I think thought it, there was one in between. It wasn't one in between the, the Danny Jacobs? Okay. No. Nah, he's, he's, he's on a, like a two-time-a-year kind of package. So fight until he's about 100. Exactly. But he's going to collect that check. <laughs> Get so bag. it's already secured. <laughs> it's guaranteed, though. So with that, now what happens if he is actually upset and lawyers up and so on and so forth with uh, what happens with with him and Golden, and Boy. Golden Boy? They have to capitulate to him because he's the man. He has all the leverage, I would think. And also. The other grumbling that I hear that in reading all on the internet that uh, I was pretty interested in reading is they're calling out the leader, the president of DAZN. Why are they calling him out? Because they're saying, how in the world do you sign Triple G for seven, uh, eight, nine figures? Uh-huh. You try, you sign Triple G for nine figures. And you sign Canelo totally and completely with the idea that you're going to have Triple G and Canelo fight because it's the biggest fight in boxing to make Mm -hmm. for the trilogy. But you have no guarantee that they have to fight each other. In essence, you've given Triple G $120 million for six fights or five fights, whatever it is. None of which have to be with Canelo Alvarez, when clearly that was the whole reason to bring them over. The, the, but Triple G signed that with in good faith. It seems like that he was going to get that fight. And, clearly, and then but Canelo this, is, and this them, is what I'm talking about yeah, with and Canelo the, and them's camp, which made them lose this IBF title. And I think that this is all the behind the workings of the mechanism to make him velocity, uh-huh, to make him end up fighting Triple G again. Because since he figured out a way for them not to fight him, he said, "Ah, I really don't want to fight him anymore. It doesn't even serve a purpose." And uh, you know, that's what Canelo said. He said it doesn't really serve a purpose. Exactly. I, I mean, he was if, like, "Well, if if the fans want to see it, I mean, I guess it, we I, can, yeah, but uh, it really doesn't serve a purpose." And because he doesn't have a belt, and they said, well, when you get a belt, then come back to us. Well, now they've finagled a way to give Triple G a chance to get his belt, get one of his belts back. And we've spent time with Triple G, and you know he's so proud of his belts. He was so as proud. As he should of, be. As he should be, because he put in the time to earn those. Yes. And now with them dancing around, not giving him the fights that he signed up to get, I mean, you, you sent me something that was very touching. He, you know, he's a different persona when you when you turn off the lights and you know and you turn. Oh off. yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? We should play that piece. Really nice piece that Triple G put out. Uh, that was a just felt like a really honest piece. I'll yeah. let you guys hear it real quick. I am a fan of boxing, but I don't love this. You've seen fights. Who could love a thing so brutal? But I am good at boxing. It is my job, and I work hard. I love my team. 
I love my life. I know that I have to become Triple G, but I don't love that. I love my family. I love the time I spend with my son. He plays hockey. And it doesn't matter how big the kids are, he'll throw his gloves off, ready to fight. I watch him and it reminds me of those first days going into boxing training. No fear. But being a father, that's more difficult than boxing. I go from Triple G in the ring back to Gennady Golovkin as soon as the fight is over. I'm just dad again. Until it's time to go back to work. And then, the bell rings for the fight. Everything goes away. And for those moments, I'm Triple G again. A shark in the ocean. Now, that was Mike Moe reading uh, from his essay, from Triple G's essay on the Players' Tribune. Get over to the Players' Tribune if you want to read it all. Uh, but it, it was great. It was a very humanizing post. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was really nice. He did. And But what's interesting about it is, is now what are they going to do? It seems as though there's some mismanagement going on with the zone, potentially with Canelo, uh-huh. <laughs> and also with what they did with Triple G. Uh-huh. So now you sign these guys. Your cash cows are Triple G, Canelo, and Anthony Joshua, and not necessarily in that order. Anthony Joshua lost, but the next fight that he fights is going to be enormous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canelo, now you've missed the window of fighting on Mexican Independence Day which is the second biggest fight day of the year on the fight calendar period. Right. It's Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day. You missed it. Now what do you do? Now you you have a guy that you've signed for $365 million who is not fighting on the biggest day. That's the draw. The only reason any of this means anything to the zone is the whole thing is about bringing more subscribers. Right. And it seems to me that at one point that they were trying to be the stable breaker upper. <laughs> That's what it said. Yeah. And, you know, that was their whole thing was yeah. that pay-per-view is dead. Right. The stables don't mean anything. And now we actually are in a stable situation. Yeah. In inner stable, though. Yeah. That's the wild part. Playing in inner stable. This is, a, this is Planet <laughs> of the Apes right now. <laughs> we play games. We are Interpol. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of wild. Because these fights need to happen. These fights actually need to happen. You know what I'm saying? There is a, 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 a clock on every big fight. Yes. And they, there's a point that they need to happen. Triple G is almost 40. Exactly. He's already – they already through wars. didn't line up well as far as both of them being in their peak to fight anyways. Mm-hmm. And now Triple G is getting more and more removed. And even if you listen to that post, it sounds like he's less and less interested in boxing. Right. He's living good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not enjoying his kids, his that's family. It. Enjoy, as he should. Uh-huh. He's, he's broken out of poverty and, and crime and the rough life that he started out with. Mm-hmm. And him and his family are eating good. What do you want from him? Now we're going to wait till he's 45 to actually get in the ring with a, like, see, I told a, you I'm a 36-year-old Canelo. Right. But Canelo's talking about strapping it up with Andrade now, right? For some reason, I don't care for Andrade's work. I don't. Like I really the, don't either. But honestly, I feel like Andrade probably can give him a problem because he's going to put the Floyd Mayweather on you as far as jumping around. He's dancing. not that good. He's not that good. But I, <laughs> and I think. But he's but, gonna, but his and, and I think but he's going to get hurt. But his movement is going to cause him a problem because Canelo is not a. He's a plotter. He's not a. Canelo you know, has improved his movement a lot, he, but he's still not fast on his feet. He is. He has improved. He's improved his defense. He's a, a lot harder to hit than he was. I feel like Andrade has a chance. I don't think that he can beat him, but I feel like he has a chance. I don't. 
I don't see not at all, huh, dude? No, <laughs> I'm not buying. I didn't appreciate his last performance, and I mean, I, I'm, I didn't care for I'm, it either. I'm happy for him to get paid, uh-huh. you know, but I just didn't appreciate what I saw. He doesn't sit on his punches. No, it's, it's a lot of slapping, and I don't think that but, you can. Uh, and Canelo Alvarez is so focused. Yeah, I don't believe that you're going to frustrate him into a, when Canelo Alvarez. It's kind of like when he fought Chavez. I think that's going to go when he realizes that you're you have no interest in even hurting him. You can't hurt him. You got a problem on your hands. But also. I think that what happens with a guy like Canelo is that he gets frustrated when a guy's running around dancing and stuff like that. He can get frustrated because this when did, when do we see that? What with Floyd? He's like nineteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> 20, but, but, but the problem—that's what all the guys that go out there because he's patterned his style. It seems to me that Andrade has patterned his style after a Floyd type of player. I'm not impressed he's with so, it. I'm telling you, I'm not. So, but yeah, but see, you can pattern your style. Adrian Broner patterned his style after. Yeah, but, but Adrian, that, that Andrade does more running to me than he does boxing. And a lot of people like that style. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I like to see cats mix it up. I do appreciate Canelo because Canelo actually goes out there to mix it up. And he's, he's there to fight. He's there to fight. He never, whoever it is that yeah, he's he never shortchanges the people. Like I said, he's a believer in himself. Exactly. I actually don't think that he's a great fighter. I think he's a good fighter, but everybody else, I know this era right now, he's considered a great fighter. But if you put him in there with some of the throwbacks, I, you know, most of the time, I do believe that a lot of the guys in the category that he's in now, the weight that he's in now, he'll be stopped. But nowadays, the generation that he's out there fighting, he can go, he can go the distance, he can beat up on these guys. There's not a lot of quality opponents out there. There's not a lot of quality opponents for him to, to even press him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Especially when you start talking about it just within the stable. Yeah. Even though they have everybody, you know, of of name more or less, except for the Charlo brothers. Right. And you know, and this is another situation back to the stables. Yeah. And and he because these guys aren't even like the the big Charlo isn't even being mentioned as a potential opponent. <laughs> they don't even speak on it. They don't even speak and this on is it. Another guy who's and he just had a really good fight against that tough brother from L.A. He sure did. That dude was a problem. That guy was a problem. And he and but all he, over. He, it. But he got it done. Yeah, he got it done. He had a good but fight. But then we're talking about once again. I'm talking about a guy who's athletically superior to him. That would give him a problem with being with speed and everything else. I I believe Charlo could beat him. We need to see it. Darren lies the good problem. Good luck. Yeah, we need to see. <laughs> good it. luck, dude. And I don't know if we're going to see it, but somewhere amongst the nine fights remaining, we hope that Canelo Alvarez will test himself, and the best tests that we've seen are against Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, I think that he wants to test himself, though. I do, too. I I actually have nothing but respect for Canelo as far as his boxing ability. He believes that I I had and have a real problem with the juice because the whole Mexican meat factor, I didn't ever buy into it. You know, I don't. I I really have a problem with juicing in sports in general, but especially in the sport of boxing. Yeah, and I don't think enough was made of that because of the face that he yeah, holds in boxing it under the rug. You know, yeah. And uh, I this don't, is the problem when you give somebody that much guaranteed money in boxing. This but this is was before. Football. Yeah, but this this is before this he is, didn't even have that guarantee. Yeah, but though. this is building the bridge because you saw how they built it up so that they can get into a position to fight Gennady and to take Gennady's belts. And once they got his belts, and now now Gennady's scrambling around to try to get his belts now at an older age, and yeah. he's going to have and a they hard get fights. Where's Gennady going to get? Just say he does fight one more fight against Canelo. Who else is he going to fight? Exactly. You know, and I don't know. It seems like the zone is interested in crossing the street and doing the co promotions, but who knows what that means for the rest of. You know, for the but, rest of the, of but the they're going to have to for, they're going to have to have some kind of guarantee. boxing, yeah. and you know, uh, top rank. But even in their own stables, they're going to have some kind of guarantees that these. But guys this is what they're up. saying that the, that upper management at the zone has mishandled everything yeah. because when they signed both of these guys, 
they signed them both. They signed Canelo with the intent of being the face of boxing, period. Right. But they signed Triple G after Canelo with the sole intent that there was going to be a trilogy with Canelo. Who do you think should be the face of boxing? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm always partial to the big guys being the face of boxing. Mm-hmm. So uh, before Deontay Wilder started talking about killing people in the ring, I liked that it was uh, – I liked Anthony Joshua as the face of boxing, and I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, I like Deontay as the face of boxing. I like – I'm not mad at Canelo minus the juice, mm-hmm. you know. Well, uh, you mad at him then? <laughs> he got the juice. I don't know if he. I don't know. Arm out. I don't know if he still has it. Don't know if he still has it. But uh, honestly, I think that honestly, I think that uh, Earl. I think Earl Spence is a great face for boxing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Manny's still a great face for boxing. Yeah. Manny Pacquiao is the ultimate face for boxing. Yeah, because he represents everything about the sport from. Mm-hmm. You know, fighting your way out of something into something grand and great. And I think that that may eventually end up getting him hurt. Definitely. You know? Because he should be looking at wrapping his up right now. Yeah. Now, did you see that uh, Trouble in Paradise on that side? What's going on with that? So, uh, Boo Boy came out with a statement the other day, who is Manny's uh, other trainer, Mm -hmm. his homeboy. Because Freddie Roach came out and said, I think Manny looked great. And I've maintained for a long time that if there's any drop-off, if he slows down, I'm going to tell him it's time to wrap it up. Boo Boy came out and said, Freddie doesn't have that kind of juice or influence over Manny. And Freddie came back to the media and said, I don't appreciate him saying that whatsoever because I'm not I'm not telling him that what he's going to have to do, but I'm telling him from my perspective, if I see a drop-off and there's a chance that he's going to get hurt, I'm not going to be a part of it. But I don't appreciate Boo Boy what a friend. stepping in and saying that kind of thing. And, you know... Freddie came out and said, I do believe that Boo Boy said that in response to Freddie saying, I think Manny's great. I think he's one of the best at 147. And honestly, I think there's only two young killers that we need to stay away from. Right. Because these guys are young and they, they have Hungry it. and they got enough to get him out of there. And, he's, and he said that and those two guys are Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford. He said, besides that, I think we take every fight in the division. I think he can beat Terrence Crawford. I honestly do. I don't think he can beat Earl. I think he'd be Terrence Crawford. We'll need to see it because if it goes late, the thing swings towards Terrence. Um, and, Terrence like, and Terrence likes to get a slow start. Yeah. Uh, and it would also be very interesting to see Terrence face another southpaw. Now, this fight we never have to worry about happening, though, because well, yeah. Manny left his deal with top rank, and Bob Arum notoriously has a long memory, Yeah, which is also why we they don't have to. We, we, and, and Which is exactly, which is a great reason to leave, mm-hmm. which is also why we won't have to worry about seeing Mikey Garcia versus uh, Vasily Lomachenko. And there's a lot of other fights that we don't have to worry about seeing because of contract issues and stable problems. So you're talking about, matter of fact, Mikey Garcia is a great face for the face of boxing. Yeah. <laughs> because he, I, I love Mikey, Solid. how Mikey moves. Him and his brother. Yeah. They're, they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. That's pretty much all we got for boxing. You got getting deep into the boxing. Got to move on. Uh, <laughs> got, deep. Hey, got deep in the squared circle, Randy Piper. When I see you on Sunday on that squared circle, Randy Piper. So, uh, yeah. So, and shout out to Vice. If you guys haven't seen it, turn on to the, the channel Vice about the dark side of wrestling. It's a fantastic program. Gives you some great inside information. Um, now, let's talk about our favorite. Talk about Major League Baseball and what happened at the trade deadline, the ultimate real trade deadline. For one, I like the fact that they made a real trade deadline. Right. Not all this waiver stuff down the line where you can pick dudes up pretty much in the World Series and use him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no. It's like a weak fantasy league. Right. This is it. This is the, the deadline. And, right. And it's good money. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of lot of good money that got thrown around. Sure was. And the Astros came out on top. On the top looking down. Yeah. <laughs> the the Astros are standing on top and Jeff Lunau said it and I agree with him that if they don't get hurt, this is as good of a team as you've seen. Yeah, and honestly, even if they do get hurt, it takes a lot of people to get hurt on the actual in the actual organization for them not to keep moving forward. The ball keep rolling because they just they were went on a winning streak, and Carlos Correa wasn't in the lineup, Altuve wasn't in the lineup. They lost almost their whole rotation, and they still win. And now we see just the other day one of their like sub acquisitions. The big splash was Zach Greinke, as everybody knows, but the sub acquisition was another ace that they picked up that people didn't know was an ace, really, because he plays north of the border and he's been getting his head busted all season and last season. And then when he is pitching well, all of a sudden he has a blister, so he's not pitching well. And that's Aaron Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez showed up down in Houston for his first outing after the trade and pitched six scoreless innings. No hit innings, right? Sorry, six no hit innings, which turned into a team no hitter. I mean, the kid. Was, this is a uh, problem. Yeah, this is a problem. This is your fifth. And starter. you're talking about your number, f- <laughs> your number four or five guy. Yeah, come on, man. This is a problem. You're talking about going into the playoffs. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, who are each going to strike out Wade at least two fifty. Yeah, Wade Miley. Wade Miley, who got it back together. Yeah, Wade Miley. Now you got Aaron Sanchez. Now you got Zach Greinke and Zach Greinke. I'm not a fan of Zach Greinke, but Zach Greinke is the kind of guy. That if the pressure is off of him, which he's not the number one, which he is not now, he's or the number two. He's number three. Mix him in there. That that means that means he's going against other number threes, right? You know, and he's usually that, that the means, ace. and he's usually the ace. We saw what he was able to do in that situation when he was number two, when he was behind prime Clayton Kershaw, when Clayton Kershaw would confuse bats for a day or two from the left and, side. from the left side, and then Grinky could come back and confuse and work off of the confused bats to mm-hmm. get his stuff done because your egg scrambles soft yeah and he comes in and gets it done now he's in there he's going to be in a number three situation come on man this is perfect for him man this is perfect for the astros they pulled off because i do believe that the astros want to get stroman but the mets came in and swooped him up for what i have no idea and nor do i know why the toronto blue jays traded him to the mets because they probably could have got way more by trading him to a contender you would think. But the no Mets question. are now making a push, strangely enough. They can with all that pitching. They have pitching. They have pitching for days. Come on, man. And they're shutting people down now. The only problem they have is the bullpen. And we're going to take a segment called, Who is Old Mad At? Edwin Diaz. <laughs> because he's on your fantasy team. Because he's on my fantasy team. And, and he can't join up. And he can't close games cleanly. I'm mad at Edwin Diaz. Who else? I'm mad at David Dahl. And for once. You keep being mad at David Dahl. It's not, I for keep... once, I'm mad at Shohei Otani. <laughs> Show, hey, showtime cost me my game this week, folks. I lost by six points. You can't have a bad week. I had a bad week at the wrong time. I put Jeff McNeil <laughs> on the bench, and Jeff McNeil had a great week. It went deep today. Jeff McNeil's back. He had that little lull after the All-Star break, but he's back banging. Yeah. When you have does. a season like that, yeah. you're going to get back to banging. Yeah. But let's, let's stick with the Astros. Honestly, the best chance you have to beat the Astros is in the first round. The best chance you have to beat the Astros is in right. the five-game series. Because in the seven-game series, the better team is going to win. And at this point, I don't see a team that's better than the Astros. Although you know, the Yankees so are much- talking about getting Lou Severino back, which I'm excited about. But I don't know which Lou is going to show up after the injury. Well, and not only that, when you get Lou Severino back, he won't be able to get the innings in that he needs to get up, build up his arm strength. So if he goes, he's only going to go four or five innings. But what they're talking about is having the opener kind of situation where CC and Severino count as one outing. <laughs> 
and they're literally just trying to go six just to get to the bullpen, which is a great idea in my opinion. Right. And I got to give credit to Aaron Boone because Aaron Boone has been getting it done with a lot of injuries, and I wasn't a Dub fan of his work. He really has. Yeah. And they're they're like to me they're way overplaying. They're way overachieving for the amount of injuries that they had. I would try. To, I have. I would have tried to shop Stanton if I were them, but he's got that humongous contract, and I don't think that that many teams can you know take that on. But with what the Yankees are doing, man, they look serious. But I don't believe that they can beat the Astros. Yeah. And they're not going to play in the first round. Yeah, I was about to say. And I think the sleeper team, the Minnesota Twins are a serious team. They're a problem. They're a serious Cleveland's team. Cleveland's a problem. Cleveland, this is the playoffs are going to be great. The yeah. baseball playoffs are always great. Yeah. But Cleveland's going to be a problem. But once it comes down to the playoffs, even in five games, it's just going to be hard to beat the Astros because, for one, they have the swag. They got the confidence. They have the young players that really believe in themselves. They bring up a kid from the minor leagues. I and mean, ripping the ball off the cover. He's like. Well, I agree. And Jordan Alvarez, because mm-hmm. I have him on my team, too. And what they do, though, as well, and that I love, is that they believe that they should have won the World Series last year. <laughs> even, though they, even though they lost to the best team in baseball, right. they believe they were the best team in baseball. That one play with Mookie Betts changing, with Trader Joe West making that bad call out there, assuming that Mookie would you know, would have caught that ball in the, it's in a the bad call. It's a bad but call. at the same time, watching how things went down, I don't think anybody was beating the Red Sox. I think they had a magical season last year. I think that the I think that the Houston Astros could have beat them just because obviously they didn't. Yeah. But, the, but the thing of it is they could have. Yeah, I mean anything could happen, but we saw what happened. I agree with what you're bad, saying. It was a know, bad call, but that one bad call can't cost you the entire series. Honestly, a lot of times one bad call you can always reflect on that does cost. You, you can reflect on it, or you could move forward because Which you have a monster have. team. Which they have. Yeah, they just didn't move forward then. Yeah, you know they got eliminated. Which is what because it is. Because Astros pitching still was better than the than than the Red Sox, who are like flounders right now. The Red Sox are terrible. They look terrible. Man. They look hideous. <laughs> they look hideous. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but so so if we stick with the trades, um At the stick with the trades, Boston didn't do anything. Boston and they're did terrible. Nothing. Boston did nothing, and they're looking down the barrel. They're eight games back of Tampa. Come on, dude. Forget about the Yankees. The Yankees are out of range for them now. Tampa's a team that'll cause people problems. <laughs> because they just picked up that big stick that they need. <laughs> they got the big stick and they have horses in the bullpen. Their whole team is built around bullpen. Yep. And Blake Snell got hurt and he's out. And I'm wondering if he's going to be able to come back. They're saying he's going to come back in September, but he actually did, hasn't been having a great year. And I wonder what can happen or if they can, you know, recalibrate. Boston's on an eight game losing streak. Yes. Wow. All that talent. More than any the same roster and no bullpen. Yeah. You can, they don't have any pitching then. If you don't have any bullpen, no start. Hey, come on, man. Rick Porcello. Yankees look better Porcello. than I expected. Yeah. Minnesota's still in first place, but they're only up by three on Cleveland. And I, for one, think Cleveland got a lot better at the trade break. I think that I actually, and as you guys have heard me say, I believe Yasiel Puig got his game together last year, and he's actually having a good year this year despite not playing on a great team in Cincinnati. And I think that he's going to fit in over there with a lot of young Latin stars that they have. And I think Tito Francona is actually the kind of coach, the kind of father figure guy that can keep him lined up. And Tito Francona put him in the number four hole. He got him over there and said, look, you bat fourth. Yeah, but the thing of it is that you got rid of Trevor Bauer because he's a head case and picked up Yasiel Puig, who also is a head case. I would rather have a head case in Yasiel Puig in right field than a head case in Trevor Bauer, who may or may not show up when it's time to pitch. Because Trevor, Trevor Bauer always got his starts. ass busted in the playoffs for the last two years. Yeah, what? No, not the last two years. The other year he had got his finger cut. 
Exactly. But, and he went out there and got his ass busted. Yeah, but that, that we can't count, we can't really count that because he, he got, got, well, why did he get his finger cut? Because he was uh, playing with a what? With, with a, a drone. With a drone. <laughs> with a drone. <laughs> oh, well, well, I, I, I seen you all about. You got caught with a drone, okay? <laughs> he got no, no excuses. He got caught with a drone. Yeah. So what are you doing? What are you blame with a drone for when you know you're supposed to start? Then you bleed all over the field. Then you want to pout and act mad that you got that you dared to pull you out. Yeah, but the thing of it is that like we were talking about off mic before. They ran him down in arbitration, man. And it never fails. <laughs> and it never fails. And now we're just seeing the best of Garrett Cole because if you guys remember, and on the Ozone when we first started, we talked about how they ran down Garrett Cole and Deline Batances because they didn't want to pay either guy. It took a long time for either guy to get it back together. Deline Batances still hasn't gotten it back together. Right. Now and Trevor Bowers out of Cleveland, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He sure is. And he's going to show it. And he's going to show it. He's going to send him to Cincinnati, but he's not going to stay in Cincinnati no. overall. He's going to end up on a nice team. He might end up on the Dodgers. He might end up yeah. with the Yankees. Any of that. But he cares a lot. And he so he's going to work on his game. Mm-hmm. You can count on that. And I also think that the sleeper team besides uh, Cleveland, I think, man, this is going to be good, are the Oakland A's. I was, I was going <laughs> to slip that in on you. Slide in. What do yeah. you feel about Oakland? No, Oakland sound business. They're solid, man. I just don't believe in Tanner Roark like that, but I think the Oakland is solid. He's going to mix them up for a little for a couple of starts, but then they'll catch up with him. But if Oakland brings up those kids that they have, they're going to be a problem. And, you know, the September 1st call-up is a problem because they can bring up all those horses that they have and give the big teams problem. They can give the Astros the a problem. The kind of game that yeah. they play is a problem. Fundamental game. Fundamental National League style yeah, game. Yeah, with a little pop. Yep. You know, and great defense. Steal a couple bags. Steal a couple bags. Keep the game tight. Yep. Go to that bullpen. And next thing you know, you slip up. You and, have trying and, and hang and, a ball. And, yeah. and then you hang a curveball to Matt Olson. Yeah, and this is the team that you don't want to see. Chris Davis. <laughs> right. This is the team that you don't want. And now you this don't want to see in a one-game yeah, one playoff. Game. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to see them. But this is the – Montez know, heard him. We know – yes. Frankie heard him. He was on that stuff. <laughs> Frankie. He was dealing. Yeah. That stuff was working out for him. <laughs> 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 Yeah, you know what? This uh in general, I think in general the the National League wild card it can go wild. It can go anywhere. We don't know what's going to happen in the right. National League wild card. With the, with the Cardinals and the Are Cubs. Are you crazy? The, the Phillies, the, the, the Phillies, Nationals, the, the Mets, the, the Brewers, the the Cardinals, the Brewers. I mean, Cincinnati's only five and a half Is out. Still the Braves out there? No, the Braves are in first place. Oh, I think the Braves are going to win the division. Up, huh? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, there's still plenty of time to change that. But if you watch how the Braves are playing baseball, the Braves are playing good baseball. Biggest problem that they got is figuring out if Julio Terran can continue at the level that he's at. I think that he can. He, I, he was a, he's always considered phenom. Yeah, he was always considered to be an elite yeah. <laughs> number one, but he's finally living it up to it right now. Yeah, and they got to get something out of Kevin Gosman. Or they got to take him to the bullpen. Right. You have Max Fried. Max Fried is solid. And you know what else? Max Fried is solid. And this trade that they made for Shane Green isn't working out so far because Shane Green can't figure out being a closer. Well, he's Shane Green getting, was closing in Detroit, though. But I, I think know, but I he's, think getting, getting, he's gotten dug just in a couple appearances that he's, you know, his first couple like appearances. Sam Dyson out there in Minnesota. But the problem is that, you know, a lot I don't, of guys. Sam Dyson's never been the same since, he, since Joey Bats ruined his career. <laughs> but, you know, but a lot of times what happens is these guys, they try to do too much when they get to the team. Yes. Instead of staying in themselves. If he stays Good within point. himself, I think that he will get it done. But the the Braves shored up their bullpen. Their bullpen is solid. Their I team think, is solid. Yeah, Chris and Martin Acuna is, is working on a 40-40 season, which Come we on, haven't man. seen in forever. Yeah, since E.D. Really? I think. Wow. Wow. That's a long time. I haven't, I don't remember anybody going for it. Only one closest has been Soriano. Right. I don't know if Soriano did it or not. I don't think Soriano. He might have. 
Troyano put up crazy. We have to go to the lab and find that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and the most vulnerable team, in my opinion, are the Dodgers. Even though the Dodgers are technically the best team in baseball, um, the the but you have to look at the Dodgers division. The Dod- the the Rockies are underachievers. They need to probably switch managers because Bud Black doesn't get it done. The the Padres aren't there yet. They're developmentally wise, and uh, Arizona's banging. Arizona's banging, but they but felt, you know they're they not going to yeah, make any yeah, noise. But they they're not they making, might even make it to the to the to the one game playoff, and then they'll trick it off just like they did last year. Just like and you they know. don't even have a number one now. Yeah, oh, Robbie, Robbie Ray. Ray. Yeah, yeah, but the Dodgers ran away with that. But they have a lot of holes in their game, and for, number one is defense. I was about to say I don't think they have a lot of holes. I think they have. What well, the I think they have. What well, they have big holes? Like, yeah, I was about to say they have two big holes. And you, what and about defense. that stat? Speak on that stat we spoke about off air. Which one? About, about the, the Dodgers defense. Oh, yeah, the Dodgers defense. They have the second-worst defense in baseball the second half of, of this season. So that's terrible. Which you, is only a month. Yeah, but, but that's that's a lot of games in a month. You know, you can't you can't have all these guys playing out of position. We talked about this in the past because yeah, you have all these hurt them. And it hurt them last year. Yeah, it hurt. It, it hurt, hurt them with Cody Bellinger playing in center field. Yeah. They, and even though he – They're having it. a problem at first base. They pick up Tyler White. Yeah. But now they're, now they're moving Cody Bellinger back to first base. Yes, yeah, so he's going to move back to first base so that they can get Jock Peterson – and uh, Alex Verdugo out there at the same time since AJ Pollock came back, right? Yeah, and but ultimately, I just maintain I don't see the Dodgers winning the World Series or possibly not even winning the National League. Uh, they stay with, they st- with with Kinley Jansen closing. Yeah, they didn't do anything during the trade deadline yeah. either. Yeah, and because honestly, we're busy messing up Julio Urias's career. We're giving him great job of Chamberlain work. Mm-hmm. Either let the kid pitch or don't. And and honestly, he should be the closer, in my opinion. Just let him go out there. He got fuzz, and he's he a problem. He got jumped on the other day, too, though. He did. <laughs> but that was like in the sixth yeah. or the seventh. But I would let Joe Kelly do it, honestly, and groom Urias. Let Urias be the I feel like Joe Kelly bridge. has a mental problem, but he, he's got fuzz. Yeah, and he's, bring, and he's, he's, and he's bringing championship yeah, experience. And he's putting it down right now. Yep. You know, but he goes I, through those phases for some reason. He's, I would I would have like that. I would have Ken Lee probably in the sixth build a bridge, you know. Ken Lee. Urias and Joe Kelly. I would still stick with with Pedro Baez in in the you fool Baez in the six. I would often own Baez. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I wouldn't demote Kinley all the way to the six. I would I can well his his his, his pitches are flat it, regardless because he wants to get about it done. I don't feel like he does two out of every three to four days. Kinley is actually Kinley Jansen, and he closes games. He still has a boatload of saves. Guys like him, you need to have them good every day. But when you're talking about the elite teams that they're going to have to play in the yes. playoffs. They're gonna they're gonna do what they did to him last year. The Dodgers lost a lot of games in the playoffs last year because mm-hmm. Ken Lee was ill physically and came back and had the flat gutter, and it just hasn't come back biting like it's supposed to. So you know, I don't know. I still like the Cubs. I still like the Cardinals. I, it's gonna be tight because the Philadelphia Phillies actually have what they need to get the job done. Uh, the Nationals actually have always had it. They just don't seem like they believe. And they're going to get Mad Max back. And they got, when you start talking about going against their front three, mm-hmm. this is one thing I finally agree with Alex Rodriguez about. You talk about going against their, their front three, you don't want to go against Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin. Yeah. This is a, these are three guys that will keep you in the game. And I actually like Sean Doolittle's work at the back end. Do you? I'm not. I'm not really crazy about the Doolittle work. The yeah. Doctor Doolittle. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying he's the best in baseball, but I feel you like get you can to give him. him. This is a yeah. problem. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> you get. You're to never going to ask Sean Doolittle to do more than what 
max. No, I'm talking about you can get to him by scoring runs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he like to give it up a little. Well, he bit. likes to walk people. Yeah, I don't need closers that walk people. You start walking people in baseball, and the, the elite teams make they, you pay. They make you pay. You can't give extra outs. Can't give extra outs. The Brewers have a problem because they need to start pitching. They didn't really make any big moves. No. No, they, there's a lot of teams they, that they didn't do up Drew Pomerantz, yeah. which which I like maybe move, could but... net something. Drew Pomerantz is not having a great year. I had him on a fantasy team right. for a while. Um, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he turns something around. You know, we just don't see, didn't see at this point. Maybe <sighs> keeping it moving. Um, want to talk a little football? Might as well. Let's talk a little football. I did. You know what? There's been somebody who's been on the sidelines for a long time who wants to have his, his say. Let's see. What's up with Trucker Dave? Hey, fellas, what's going on? Trucker Dave, <laughs> back on the know. scene. It must be NFL season. I can smell it around the corner. How you feeling? Dun, da, da, dun. <laughs> <laughs> go time. Let's do it. Uh, about to go down, huh? It's oh, going man. down. Where in this wonderful country are you, Trucker Dave? Oh, right here in Southern California. Ooh, Ooh. wait. <laughs> Noah's burning up. Well, we yeah, got a uh, we got a lot to talk about. Your man just signed an extension guaranteeing him to be the oldest well-paid player in the NFL history. Tom Brady is re-signed for a two-year extension with the Pats, which is not crazy money relative to what he brings to the table. But what do you think about what that says about the Patriots believing in him and his durability even at his age? Well, I think he deserves it, and I also think that they said it's supposed to be flexible for the cap, so Helps it can team. also help yeah. them. Yeah, sign year to year, Williams. really. Tr- Tr- Williams is what they're probably looking at at the offensive tackle, so that's probably why they did that deal because it, you know, it helps helps them on the cap. Yeah, it doesn't the Raiders' experience doesn't <laughs> the Raiders' experiment didn't seem to work out so well with Big Trent. Uh, but well, it th- always works out in, uh, in New England. <laughs> but somehow or another, Trent will go back to his all-pro ways, his Pro Bowl ways once he gets to New England. They have an awesome research know? back there, huh? Yeah, they, they, it's a team. Yeah, they really team, do. And I'm, Soup to nuts. I'm, it is. And I'm very interested to see if Belichick retires with Tom Brady. What do you think? I'm just I, wondering. I, I just well, honestly feel like his system will work with anybody because every time they plug and play a quarterback, they're still successful. Yeah. You've they, had Garoppolo. They got your, they got your man Matt, big money. Yeah. They got Jared Stidden now, you know, and he's probably going to – they say he's looking really good in training camp. You've really got the best secondary in football. I mean, they don't have any weaknesses. You add Michael Bennett and, you you know, you bring in Jamie Collins. It's like they don't really even have that much of a weakness. Out. Got this nice running back from Alabama. And we, last we, year they were very suspect defensively. Right. And, they, and, and unlike – we were just covering baseball in the trade deadlines. Unlike a lot of teams in Major League Baseball, the Patriots go out in the offseason. They say, you know what? This is the problem. Let's and, fix it. And we just won the Super Bowl, but this yeah. is the problem. Let's get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do, man. I mean, they just got that uh, nice uh, outside linebacker, Chase Winovich, in the draft. They did really well in the draft this year, so – it's going to beat them. They're, you're going to have to earn it. But I, what I think they're going to do is they're going to probably switch to a heavy running game with Shoney. I mean, uh, with uh, Sony Michelle coming on like he is. And uh, but they did get that right receiver. That's nice. Uh, Harry is supposed to be looking really good in training camp. So it's going to be pretty hard to beat them this year. You I mean, it's really, hard. To, really it's hard to beat them every year. Right. That's this is the thing. No matter what you want to say, it's hard to beat them because they're a well coached team. Yeah. From top to bottom. Yeah. Even the coaches. Yeah. Yeah, but this year, I mean, you don't have to put your best foot forward to beat them. So who do you think can beat them out there right now? 
But I really still like uh, I like Kansas City, man. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes. They're talking about could be one of the best quarterbacks in history. He's he looks to be like signing it. a record deal. I mean, it wasn't a fluke, man. Oh, it's not that a fluke. Guy, his confidence and his abilities line up. But oh, don't believe. Oh, don't believe. He ain't a believer. No, because Andy Reid will find a way <laughs> to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Like he does we every just year. watched. They were so much better than the Patriots. This year way. They were so they much were. better. And literally, Julian Edelman told us. Julian told us Edelman directly. told us from the horse's mouth that he that Tom Brady saw your man lining up in the neutral zone all game, all game. And decided wow, okay, to exploit that? it at the opportune time to take a chance to, with with the play that really turned the entire season. They were they were the best team in football. They got. I know they were. Man, I didn't even think they had a shot in that game at all. They didn't. They had a shot. How about we give you the ball? We got the highest scoring offense. And how about uh, we don't call any timeouts while they stuff the ball down our throat? Unbelievable. <laughs> we got. We I know, man. nobody has shown us that they can stop us for sixteen games. And what we want to do? And shut them out. And, 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 but, but what we want to do? We want to give you the ball. What? Crazy. Yeah. Where, where does, but where, you know what they do? Same thing the Chargers did. The Chargers went up there and played a totally boneheaded game until the game was totally and completely out of control. Then they want to play the game that's effective. <laughs> Let's play the right game now. In the, the late into the third quarter. And actually mounted yeah, a nice comeback. They did. And speaking of the Chargers, man, they got to do something with Melvin Gordon's contract. And uh, Dallas has got to do something with Zeke's contract. Got to do something about Zeke. Money in the NFL. So now, what do you think? What do you, money. You what know what? You, yeah. But now you heard about that kid that they're talking about that's lighting it up, that Ezekiel Elliott, that kid that it just got. But do you think that it's real or is it just a ploy to try to make Ezekiel come back? Of course it's a ploy. Well, I think what, it, I, I think what uh, Jerry Jones is doing is he's looking at New England and saying, you don't have to win with a, a, a big-name running back. The last team to do it was uh, Denver with Terrell Davis in 98. You know, But what if you trade Ezekiel Elliott to Kansas City? <laughs> then you would have to actually believe in the supernatural if Bill Belichick and them could beat them in that scenario. So now check this out. Wow. Did you hear what what uh, what uh, Jerry Jones just said about about the Zeke timeline? What did he say lately? He came out and said, "Just know that, like so many things, it'll happen. Goo goo, it'll happen. <laughs> there literally is no concern on my part at all about any time frame. That'll happen." These results too good for them, too good for the Cowboys. Think about it now. The results are too good for them and too good for the Cowboys. That always happen when it's that good for the both of us. <laughs> that's what he yeah, gave. Yeah, well, that's what the word deal means. It means when both parties win. <laughs> and I don't see how you can lose with with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, if you know don't want to pay him, trade him. Right, and go ahead trade and keep him. running Somebody your bum will. organization. Well, you know, most of the time yeah. those guys don't like to trade like that. They they rather have a guy sit on the sideline and melt away than to let him go somewhere else and be and productive. Uh huh. And t- well, look Tony Pollard is the his... guy's name. Oh, Tony, Tony Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard is the 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 cat that they're now trying to sell. That's impressing in in Zeke's absence. Of course, he's impressing. It's in training camp. We know what Zeke gives. Uh-huh. Zeke eats. <laughs> you cannot stop Ezekiel Elliott if you Zeke give him. Ezekiel Elliott falls forward for three yards. Are you crazy? <laughs> no, no, I was man. at the game. I mean, at the game, you keep watching him. He dominated the Rams. The Rams defense was stupid last year, right? And he dominated when they gave him the football. Did. So, of course, they well, didn't give him know. the football that much. <laughs> Go sit down. I think it ended up with like 45 yards. What's going to happen to Todd Gurley this year after coming back like you ended last year 
and you told Eric Dickerson you were perfectly fine before the game, and then it's like a mystery, like they're not using you, you're not – this is so not Todd Gurley. What's going to happen with him? Well, they're saying that, you know, that knee problem is going to exist for the rest of his life, not just the rest of his career, because he's supposed to have a chronic knee knee issue. And that's why, that's, right? uh-huh, that's why he was upset when the reporters were asking, asking him about it recently. And he got very upset no. about it because, you know, it's a problem for him. He just wants to get off the subject of his knee. Yeah, let's get outside. Interesting, and man. you're right, David. It was uh, it was 47 yards on 20 carries. <laughs> yeah, so he's on. right on on 20 carries. I mean, I hate to see what that average looks like. Right, that's less than two yards a carry. I mean, for a beast or a running back like him. But but, uh, but I will say this: they did go away from him. <laughs> And then there was a time when he was rocking and rolling and yeah. decided to not. And that's usually when he starts to eat, you know, and they decided well, eventually to Eventually he'll wear you down. All those kind of running backs wear you down. Goes. Especially when you got a good offensive line, you keep pounding the ball and commit to pounding the ball. But, but Dallas is always all over the place. They don't have a, a an identity. They don't – you can never say – Jerry that. Jones is their identity, and that's the problem. Yeah, it's another owner that's going too far. Now, did you see what the, what Des Bryant came out and said? He no, made what his, did he, he say? He made his public plea. Uh, well, you know, he came out on Twitter and he said, man, I'm not even thinking about football right now. He said, you know, this whole situation it just rubs you so far the wrong way. And he, he posted some stuff that some other people had said about him, some just random fans. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nobody cares. He's like, nobody cares about you. He goes, and then you give this game your all. Nobody cares. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not saying I'm retiring, but I'm not thinking about football right now. He should. He's done his thing. He's a great receiver. He didn't and what he's saying is he still has something to Like he has. Yeah. So off, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't tear his Achilles, I'm pretty sure Drew Brees would have got him the ball. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. That's, that's what is going to happen. So who do you yeah, think the timing of when he got injured? Who do you who do you think is coming out the NFC this year? It's interesting. I mean, you got to look at Philadelphia. They just got uh, Deshaun Jackson back, and if you're Dallas, you don't want to start your year without your your Pro Bowl running back at zero and two or something like that. With the way that division is. I mean, you got Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay, and he's going to turn around the Bucks. He's probably going to make it like, okay, with Jameis Winston, you either get it together or you get out of here. You got a lot of young guys that were drafted. I like what Seattle did with the with the young receiver up there. You got to look at Arizona. I mean, with that, uh, I mean, with the little quarterback they got, but he's mobile, so that should add something to their offense. So you really don't know until the season starts and. Who meshes well with with their team and with the coaching staff and all that? So much of that, of that and, and, and it's a trip because, and we can't say that not being in the locker room mm-hmm. because this is what right. the Patriots have been able to do for more than a decade now, well, almost two decades now, is we've been able to see everybody that goes there has to buy into the system or you won't be there. Right. Just they get you out midseason. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, they get you out midseason. We don't – Josh Gordon, go sit on the side. Chandler Jones? Yeah. Bounce. Whatever. Jamie Collins? Yeah. Bye. Yeah. We can do it without yeah, he you. Just, yeah, he just filed for a reinstatement, but but the way their defense is looking this year, it's, man, you got one of the best cornerbacks on one side in, in Gilmore, mm-hmm. and you got J.C. Jackson coming up. You got the two McCourty brothers. You got Calvin Noy on the outside. You got this, man. And, you know, Belichick is going to uh, coach – more of the defense since he lost uh, his assistant, Patricia? Brian Flores, down there. Oh. No, uh, uh, Flores down there uh, going to Miami. So on defense, man, I don't see him giving up too much. Wow, very hard to beat. Very, you know, very hard to beat. And one year. of the things about Belichick that people don't realize is that he's actually a defensive guru. 
Right. Yeah. And that, so yeah. much, that's funny, right? Uh-huh. And you know what? That probably is their secret sauce mm-hmm. is because so much is made of their offense all the time because Tom Brady is so spectacular. Mm-hmm. But really, mm-hmm. that defense, if you look at it, has always made the key plays. Right. Because he comes up with the game plan, he finds your flaw, and he takes it, and he, or he finds your strength and he takes it away from you, and then he exploits you. And he learned from the GOAT, and now yeah. he is really, he's the GOAT. Yeah. He learned yeah, from Bill Parcells, and he's you, Bill Parcells 2.0 beta. Yeah, USB. Mm-hmm. And when you get inside their red, when you get inside their red zone, you kick field goals, and you don't they score tight. Right, they and they and they get in the red zone. zone. Yeah. How you think they're gonna do without Grunk? Well, I think they're gonna miss him more in the in the blocking game because he wasn't much of a receiver anymore. They're gonna miss him blocking, but since they're gonna switch up their offense, uh, and I think they're just gonna go be a running team. That's what I think. And we is. all know what and they're going to do. downside to that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is we all know what's going to happen is they're going to adjust. And this we were just talking about in the boxing segment. The greats are able to adjust in the fight, in the game, in the match, during the season. Mm-hmm. And these are the teams that you see that make these adjustments that go on to win, whether it's a, a, an individual or a team sport. And this is what nobody does better than the Patriots. It's a true story. Yeah. Aaron Hernandez, we decided to go be a, a serial killer. Guess what? We Griffin got Grunt. We got Grunt. Yeah, you know. well, they can always switch up the offense. Yeah. 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 And uh, with Shawnee Michelle, he has six touchdowns in the postseason. So this guy could be uh, – he could be like uh, a Le'Veon Bell, you know, on a rookie contract. So you get the first three years of, like, base pay. And that allows you to spend money on something else, which they never do. <laughs> yeah, you know the Patriots aren't going to pay anybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except for Belichick. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you know, did you guys, what's your take on this one? Did you see this footage of uh, Baker Mayfield at the Indians game? And when they put him on the Jumbotron, he decided to go college style and shotgun a beer? <laughs> he caught a lot of flack for that. I was actually pretty surprised. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, not a, guy. Not, he's not a human being. He can't have a beer, huh? Well, he was drinking a beer. They put him on a jumbotron, and he killed it. And then, no, not only did he kill it, he actually punctured a hole in the side of the beer to shotgun the beer like he was in a fraternity and gave you great football. (laughs) Gave you great, great great meathead. What else is there to do in Cleveland? Damn. Cleveland, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> LeBron is taking his show on the road, and there's nothing else to do with Cleveland oh, except for watching the Indians underachieve. Yeah, it's all about this NBA, man. People are so uh, so hyped about this NBA season. It's it, unbelievable. And, and that's another thing we wanted to talk to you about. It's been so long since we had you on. You know, the NBA has done something that it seemed like only the NFL was capable of. They have made it such much watch television. 24 hours. Such a spectacle that the season just ended. And if they told everybody that the season was going to start early tomorrow, their ratings would be through the roof. Everybody's all in. So 24 hours. People are all in, man. It's it's all. They've totally hijacked sports talk. We're talking about the trade deadline. Now the trades have happened. And we're talking about now what about which guy is going to be better? Oh, did you see the picture of Clay on the plane? Oh, what about the Achilles? No. Oh, is this team done? Oh, Draymond got an extension. All this. Just nonstop NBA. The trucker Dave gone. He's gone. Uh, it's part of being a trucker. Yeah. Now, do you think that is from social media? Because, or do you think that it's never? we've never had this many superstars in the league at one time? Combo. I think combo package. Well, give number two. So it's a number two, but turning it quickly into a number one. Pick it up. I think that it's social media 
has provided a construct where the league also recognizes that their number one commodity are the players themselves mm-hmm. and their personalities and allowing them, unlike the NFL, hey, you guys want to protest police brutality? Guess what? The league is behind you. You guys have something that you want to speak about? Cool. Speak on it. Speak on it. Be unified because we're unified as a brotherhood of people who played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And the idea that they have such a small number of players on a roster and they're still able to to uh, uh, bring that sort of an emphasis, that sort of a, an attention to the you know to the squad, it's a it's no small thing. It's really really impressive, and that's what they've been able to do. And that's what they've been able to do. It's crazy. Did you see Antonio Brown's feet? No, but I've oh my god, I've seen his crazy workout regimen. His workout is nuts. Forget about it. He's man. like he's up there with LeBron James and like his workout. He's like is a ninja. He, he, he's so flexible. He's so <laughs> right. man. T- t- uh, with his blindfolds on and everything else. And Come he's on, man. Snatching b- the ball. So check this out, though. So if you want to see something nasty, okay, that's very similar to Cowboy Cavs' arm after the the Brown recluse bite. Okay. Just Google Antonio Brown's blisters. And he's got to go see a foot specialist because of this crusty, nasty, danky feet that he's dealing with. And, I mean, it's like he got jungle rot or something. I don't know what happened. Trench foot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened. But it's a, it's a bad look. I can tell you that much. You checking it out? Right on. Also, did you see? I wanted to bring this up really quickly. Did you see your boy who you lose? The only reason I bring it up is because you used to love running with him on Madden. You see Fred Taylor is pissed at the Jacksonville Jags. Woo, his feet are smoking. <laughs> somebody, somebody stop me. <laughs> oh, woo, child. His feet are dog day afternoon. Are you kidding me? Wow, he's putting it in. Boy, he wanted to show you that he ain't going to go to the Raiders and die. Man. Because, you know, that's where careers go to die, child. Uh, why you got to bring that up, child? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, what were you saying? Fred Taylor, what Fred Taylor's pissed about? So, Fred Taylor. At least love running Fred Taylor. That's and, my boy. And listen to this. They just, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars just released a list of their greatest players of all time. And Fred Taylor came in at number two. Who's number one? And Fred Taylor came out and said, it is a joke that I'm not the best Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> he filmed himself. Who is it, Mark Brunell? He said, I'm not sure who voted, but they missed. What were you guys doing for the 11 years I carried the team? One day, someone other than me will recognize how valuable I was. I did something only 21 players in the history of the game done at my position. Hashtag, what a joke. They named Tony Boselli. The greatest Jaguar in, in history. Are you kidding? Yeah. And apparently members of the media voted the best Jags valued Baselli's short period of greatness over Taylor's longer career. Wow. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with him. Then. If it came down to that, you can't. Fred Taylor's a monster. I thought it might have been Mark Brunell. Man. it's a, Yeah, Mark Brunell was a monster. So you got anything else you want to cover? Seems like we got a, a full uh, full repertoire. We had a Catch full a repertoire. We had a full velocity of questions. <laughs> yeah, now we can cover some of the other stuff in latter episodes. <laughs> we need to go over some of the Bosa stuff. The Bosa. Oh stuff. man, we need to go with that yeah. Bosa. Go ahead, you tease the tease the crowd. Let them know what you're thinking. Well, I'm just thinking that we just need to let it be known about their family and their family's background and history of uh, some of this racism and stuff that's out there, and even the players that go, you know, that they're playing with. And there's a whole big spiel about it that we'll get into it probably coming up on the next Ozone. Ozone. <sighs> well, 
Going to leave you with something from uh, Joseph Addison, folks, but we're going to start with a moment of silence uh, for all of the victims of all of this senseless carnage that's taking place in the name of domestic terrorism and white supremacy and absolute foolishness in the United States of America, folks. There's nowhere else in the world that tolerates this sort of insanity because this is insanity. We keep doing the same thing over and over and we expect a different result. That is the definition of insanity and we're doing it. It is unreal. Um, So I want to just give a moment of silence for all of the victims in Dayton, Ohio, Gilroy, California, which I have a personal connection to going to school in San Jose and for El Paso, Texas. Love. Know that we're all unified, folks. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Joseph Addison that says, if you wish to succeed in life, make perseverance your bosom friend, experience your wise counselor, caution your elder brother, and hope your guardian genius. Listen, we're in this thing together and we got to take care of one another. Keep your eyes focused, folks, because anything can happen nowadays. But if we take care of each other, we can create the future. I'm your host, Omar Miller, and this is... Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not 